0: Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. We're examining the concept of shock value in media today. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. We release new episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Thanks for listening. All right. Hey, fellas. We are doing shock value today. Shock value in all media. I am Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman.
1: This is Tommy Smithering, And I'm
2: Clifton.
0: All right. So uh, I've come across some unfortunate news that I want to let you guys know. Um, I have found out that Darth Vader is, in fact, my father. What? <sighs> That's impossible. Uh- <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so silly. <laughs>
0: So that's what we mean. That's what we mean by shock value. Something that is, uh, you know, put in a story, put in a show, put in a movie, a comic book, whatever that is uh, deliberately meant to surprise
3: the audience, to throw them for a loop. So um, I think I think we would think more about it. I think a good way to describe it is if you want, you know, we see reaction videos all the time, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's the thing we get is like, you know, granted, it could just be a trailer. It could be a video game or whatever. But still, like, people make video, you know, again, speaking of Empire Strikes Back and, and the reveal of Luke being, or uh, Vader being Luke's father, there's lots of people that still record to this day, you know, their kids' reactions to seeing that for the first time because it's a big deal if you don't know it's coming, right? Right. So think of it that way. That's the kind of moment we're looking for is, like, it would be something like, you know, for, for kids nowadays, it would be something that would be a reaction type video moment.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think... um And for me, like, it's an interesting thing. So it's something that I think comes along only for, uh, like, long form uh, pieces of media, right? So, like, Star Wars is a series, serialized television shows, comic books and everything. Things where, like, they have the audience for, like, the long haul, right? I think that that's the moments where shock value kind of is the most effective, right? Because, well, I feel like that there's a need for it in those mm-hmm. instances too, right? Because like, you got to keep it fresh,
3: right? Right. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where it's funny that you mentioned that because again, thinking about, you know, doing the production, you know, the, the, the production work for this episode, I was thinking about it. And Lost is one of those things where originally Michael Keaton was supposed to be on Lost, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the pilot, like he was supposed to be like, you know, he, he was supposed to be one of those things where, you know, why would Michael Keaton, this movie star, decide to be in a TV show? And that was supposed to give it some cachet. Mm -hmm. And he was only supposed to be in the pilot and he was supposed to die before the first episode. So you kind of felt like anyone could die. Right. (laughs) And then, and then they, you know, for whatever reason he didn't sign and sort of Matthew Fox got that role of being like the guy, you know, being Jack, being a leader. And like the only other time that I know of where they planned to do something along those lines was, I know one of the original Puffy, the Buffy pilots, they had um, a kid named Jesse who was supposed to be like in the credits. And it's part of this, like part of the Scooby gang. And he gets turned like in the first like first episode or first like the second half of the pilot, right? And and originally that was one of the things where it was going to be like a huge shock that no, oh, you think Jesse's part of the gang and he's going to be around for all these adventures and now he gets turned and dusted by the end of the, the, the whole thing. So,
0: yeah, yeah, no, Lost is a good example of that. Yeah, because because uh, I do remember hearing about that. I've, the Michael Keaton stuff I forgot about completely actually, but I do remember mm. hearing that the Matthew Fox character was initially supposed to like die before the end of the first episode, and then it was like. You, they were going to die. He was going to die before the end of the first season. And it seemed like they kept like pushing it over, pushing it over. Like they liked the idea of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, you know, killing off the protagonist, to sort of, you know, yeah, right. to, to make you feel that the rest of the cast isn't safe sure. at any point.
3: No, because at one point, like, that, like I'd heard the thing with like, Michael Keaton, that was like a big deal. You know, they was trying to like make it look like they had got somebody who's a, a big, bigger star. It, it is was funny they,
2: to think of a time when when your movie people never crossed over with your TV people. <laughs> right, that was unheard right. of
3: at that time. Yeah, that's preposterous.
2: Yeah, TV. Yeah, was then it so was
3: like Kiefer Sutherland, really only right. <laughs> you, yeah. he might be one of the first ones. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was it was it, the other thing that I heard before. Like before they had Matthew Fox, was the idea of it was going to be Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was like you know obviously the de facto leader because he was the, had the star power, and then he would die like forty five minutes in. And then Kate was supposed to take over as the de facto leader of this group, the ragtag mm-hmm. group of survivors, you know, of Oceanic Eight One Five. So, but it didn't work out that way. But still, it's one of the things where I think, as a shock value moment, it would have, it could have worked. Right? You know, they do have a, they do have a moment where where they're trying to get people together after the plane crash. It's kind of chaos. You know, it's a great open, and some guy gets sucked right into a uh, a turbine that's still working. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have moments like that, but it's not something where it was, you know, we didn't know that person's story or what that character was about. So not as quite a big deal. I think I do agree with you. I think generally it's got to be long term. It has to be something where, you know, you don't expect to come in or you got to keep the show fresh or whatever.
2: You have to establish a status quo before you can shake up a status quo. Correct.
0: Exactly. Not that it's impossible to do in 22 minutes. I think it's possible, but it's definitely a lot harder. Like, I mean, that's got to be a lean story. Sure. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I, I gotta, I mean, I would think though, you know, episodes of twilight zone have done it right. You know, and have done it, I've done it pretty effectively. I think what shock value. Well, I mean, cause I think th- there's, there's an, there's an essence of the twist ending that I think kind of fits into this a little bit.
1: Right. Oh, I mean, mm-hmm. Sure. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I know Frank was talking about loss, but the, to I me, mean, the crowning one of that is, uh, HBO's game of thrones. Okay. In which death, we've oh, never yeah. seen death so gratuitous sure. and so hard as when someone met their demise. It didn't matter who got it. <laughs> it was always a spectacle.
3: Well, I mean, this, it's one of those things where in the first season you expect, um, are we going to ruin or are we not going to ruin it?
1: I say ruin it because.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: who cares? So, okay. Spoil- spoiler spoiler, alert for Game of Thrones. There we spoiler go. Spoiler for did. Game of Thrones. But you guys have yeah. all seen it.
1: Yeah, go watch
3: go yeah. watch go, go watch season one and then come back. Yes. Um if you haven't seen season one, but we're about to spoil that part. No, when when Ned when Ned Stark, you know who you think is you know obviously it's it's uh, was well, John Bean right, so you wouldn't mm-hmm. think he's going to make it anyhow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because um, that's it's a meme and a thing that's been going on since then or before then. But the idea being that you think Ned Stark is surely going to you know survive <laughs> his situation and <laughs> yes, you know no they murdered him in front of the entire you know the entire kingdom practically. Mm-hmm. You know, they cut his, laylop lop his head off. You know, I remember the day, it like the, the night that it aired, you know, it happened, luckily it wasn't on the internet. Um, You know, I remember someone, it might've been you, Tommy, you might've asked me, have you seen it? Have you seen it yet? <laughs> <laughs> problem. And, and I, I was like, no, you're like, go watch it. Go watch it. Call me back. I'm like, all right. But I remember, you know, it was one of those things where I remember had a friend of our, our friend, Dan, I remember at one point he's like, so, he's like, surely someone's going to come in on horseback and fire an arrow and then they're going to ride <laughs> off together and, you know, they're going to save, save yeah. poor Ned. And no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, it's a nice call back to the beginning when he has to cut the other guy's head off, like on their family land, the guy that, that mm. deserts his post. But yeah, that's one of those that I that I definitely think for, for a huge shock value because I do think you're invested in that character and you think it's going to be his story. And it's so not. Granted, he looms over the se- the series, but it's not his series.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's funny you say go back to the first episode because they do it not even in depth when you right. find out that the, uh, uh the, um, brother and sister or oh, sisters yeah. you know yeah <laughs> yes. Yeah. a good shot. point yeah it wasn't enough to uh just mention it you have to actually see <laughs> them together <laughs> yeah. but and, like, and on and on top right. of that they were seen by a child right yeah,
0: yeah. who they then push out the
1: window yes. Also, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah also like yeah, right. another yeah. little
0: bit of it there too yeah
1: yeah well
3: that, i mean it's funny that you mentioned that time because i remember at the time you're like oh hbo i think hbo has gone too far yeah and i don't know about this <laughs> incest yes. and a kid and i was like okay and then three episodes in you're like, yeah, you should probably watch this show.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: right? yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's a good one. That's another good uh, Yeah, it good is example. a
0: good one. I th- I think it's an effective one actually. I think back back then, I mean, you know, whatever your opinion on it is on what the show became down the road and everything, I think that I right like Sean Bean is such like a perfect person the cast, right? Mhm thinking to michael keaton in Lost, they can't believe how much we're talking about Lost, right but in essence (laughs) i think i think that that would not have worked if it was him right because i think if 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 he died at the end of the first episode everybody i think would then go like well of course like some big movie star is not going to stay for a show (laughs) right so like right in essence Mm -hmm. it would it would be kind of a tell that they got somebody so big but sean bean is this actor that Certainly, people know. People know by name, right? But he's not. He, he doesn't lead his own movies. Generally speaking, he's in the background of somebody else, right? Somebody else is the headliner,
4: right? Right. Sure. And so
0: it does. He's kind of a perfect actor that would. That's this perfect blend of like, oh, like he got a TV show. Certainly, he's great enough to to lead his own show.
4: <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. then
0: at the end, it's also like, well, yeah, geez, okay, of course.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right. So it, of course, he's going to you know.
0: go do other things. And I think I think that he was just such a perfect like like weight to the character thought we were going to be with him long term. Right. Mm-hmm. Cared for him. And then when he's taken away from us, it's oh, what do we do?
4: Right. You know.
0: Which I, I, I always think it's an effective. Um, I'm always impressed when writers are able to sort of like pull the rug out from under us and they take the protagonist away. They take the hero away. A big example for this. We're going to spoil a lot in this episode. Yeah. But like Psycho for me, Psycho is one of my favorite movies of all time. That shower scene when when the hero dies, essentially, and the screenwriters are super smart to like after that happens, they're just throwing information at you like like right after another, just like boom, 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 like anything to kind of keep you keep you engaged to kind of quell that like, well, geez, now what do we do?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know sure and i
0: think game of thrones did something similar that way where like there was you know a big enough cast of characters and enough going on that you were hooked at that point
4: right
1: sure yeah would you consider um the reveal of at the end of the first episode of the mandalorian a shock value thing uh refresh my memory i would think so
3: i mean well i mean it's i think it's. no i i think it's one of those things where you know it, it's you know, I, as big as as big as the <laughs> child has become in, in pop culture since Middle Mandalorian premiered, mm-hmm. I would say I don't know if it's so much shock value it is one of those. It's a shocking moment. of like, oh, that's cool, because again, you still don't know after that first episode whether or not it's another one of that of his of Yoda's people,
4: yeah, <laughs> or
3: if it's if it's or it's set like you have know, that moment like, was well, set in a time where Yoda could have possibly been. But no, because they're like you know seven hundred years old or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. so that's not going to work. But
0: okay, so that that was the reveal of that first one was Baby Yoda, right? Yes, yes.
2: Right. The reveal is that his target is a Baby Yoda, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. yes.
4: Right. Yes.
2: Got it. Yes. Um,
0: not for me because mm-hmm. I watched it a couple of months after it came out, ah. <laughs> and by that point, <laughs> and by that point, Baby Yoda was kind of all over the everywhere, place.
4: Yeah. and so and so
0: I, I kind of knew which way to lean at that point. Okay. For that one. So so you know, I don't have the best opinion. <laughs> you know, I, I I'm not the best person to answer that question, but yeah, but you guys, you know, Clifton and Frank that you watched it as it came out. What mm-hmm. did you guys think?
3: I mean, I think it's I don't know if it's so much shock value as it's one of those things of like, oh, that's surprising. Like you think it might be I don't think I thought it was a person or, or a living thing. I thought it might have been cargo. For a first episode, I thought they wouldn't set up that much in the first episode.
4: Okay.
1: Okay. Another thing that got me is an old movie, and I don't think I uh, see. I don't want to discuss it because it's it's still jarring to this day. But it's so much mm. part of pop culture that people forget where it came from. Okay. Like like oh, if I say the words, "You got a pretty mouth," what does that make no, you think of any sure, movie? yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's, no, that's a big one. That's a, that's huge, a one. huge one. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, I don't think one. anyone got over. No. <laughs> it's just, right. yeah. no, In fact, it makes it makes the movie. Yeah, yeah what's it from though? Deliverance. Yeah. Okay. So that
3: yeah. that and dooly and banjos are the two things. That yeah, yeah, yeah. From yeah movie, yeah. right?
1: hmm Yeah, Scorch that's like a pig. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, that scene alone is ugh. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> yeah.
2: That's yeah. That's I mean, it was, you that was it's, an optional novel to read when I was in high school. Really? <laughs> <Was it> really? <laughs> Deliverance. Wow. Really? Yep. Oh Where wow. Where did you go? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> The teacher had to apologize, but <laughs> as he should, as it I was should. on the, it was on the optional reading list. Jeez. Oh, wow.
1: Jeez. Well, I, uh, wow. one of the lighter tone for more of our fans would be, um, the third movie what, was the revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. oh. um, where Anakin has to uh, kill a bunch of kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wasn't yeah. enough to kill all the Jedi. He had to kill the baby ones first. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Man. Yes,
3: that was that was a that was a tough one to come back from. <laughs>
1: I agree. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't was to be a turncoat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah,
2: you meant to say younglings. Yo- yo- young, young, yes, you <laughs> did. Younglings,
1: younglings. Yes. Ooh. So
0: this jumped into my head thinking about the Baby Yoda thing, right? And, okay. and maybe it's shock value. Maybe it's not. Does shock value have degrees? It can't. Are there uh, b- big instances
3: of shock value and smaller ones? Yes. I think, I mean, I think it's, it's degrees in the sense that how much, I mean, you could have a moment of like, ah, oh, it happened. And then there's moments of like, oh my God, my mouth was like, your mouth drops open
2: <laughs> from yeah.
3: well, what did I just see? Those kind of moments. So yeah.
2: Then for baby Yoda, like it was shocking, but my thinking at the time was like, okay, here's the hook. Like this is yeah. the hook of the <sighs> show now because yeah. we didn't know what the hook was. Right. Yeah besides like yeah it's a bounty hunter yeah we've seen that but like now we know what makes this show different right Right. Mm -hmm. it's not it's not just boba fett adjacent
0: right yeah yeah i think I, i think that it does come in levels so for me i think a very like lower level one especially now looking back i don't know what it was like during during its release but dark knight returns i think i think carrie kelly is is one of those like deliberately supposed to shock a little bit. I, I, I think saw. a lot yeah. of that book is deliberately supposed to shock, but but yeah. I think just the fact that it's like Robin's a girl, right?
4: Sure. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah was... the, I mean,
3: at that time, at that time, what do you who 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 who's been Robin at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you had was it Dick and Jason? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those two? two. You know, so even then, and then you know, it's it's yeah, Carrie Kelly's a big you know a big departure from what had been before. So yeah I could see that that's a good one i you know I hadn't really thought about that one, but that's a pretty good one
0: yeah i mean i i just think i think that book is is so rife with things that are meant to shock right you know i think i think done well I think done very very well sure. but i think also like i mean you know when you're the when you're the first out of the gate like that for a for that type of story for that kind of book that's gonna you know we're gonna take this beloved thing and we're gonna completely just turn it on its side in every
3: which way. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean I mean conversely you could you could argue that that wa- the ending of Watchmen, the book, the comic, is, is pretty is pretty shocking. The idea that, you know, I mean if you haven't read Watchmen, go uh, go go take your time and read that and then come back for this one. Yeah. Which
2: now larger audiences will know as the precursor to the T V show watchmen. Right. The right. HBO as show be right. set up for the series.
3: Right. So if you have ever read Watchmen, the, the series by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, the, the maxi series, um, the idea that you know the, the, that Rorschach and, and Night Owl or you know, or you know Dan and <laughs> Dan and Rorschach are on their way to this Arctic, you know hideout that uh, Ozymandias has, and they think they're going to be you know they're, they're in you know in a superhero trope they're going to save the day and swoop in and, and, and confront him, you know and basically stop his big huge plan, you know and he doesn't he doesn't. You know, he doesn't do the bit of uh, monologuing with him. He just tells him, "No, I did it half an hour ago." <laughs> yeah. And basically, you guys wasted your time. It's over. There's nothing you could do. It's you know, it's pretty much done. That that really that kind of ending, if you you know if you don't know it's coming, is a pretty big you know, especially the, what the fallout of it and literally and figuratively the idea that you know he does pull off his plan and he does in a sense win. Um. If you see the uh, the Watchmen show, the HBO show, it's you know yeah. you could argue. Whether he wins or doesn't win, but um, yeah, I think that one always to me was. I remember reading it for the first time. Um, I remember someone left it at at, at the place that I worked. (laughs) I worked at a movie theater, and I got to read it on my break. (laughs) So that's how I first read Watchmen. Oh, really? Yeah, and I remember that. that. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. Well, it was one of the things where I was. I was, you know, I I had a point in my life where it was if I didn't recognize the character, I didn't want anything to do with it. Shocking, you know, (laughs) shocking. Um, but yeah, that was one of those where Watchmen, I was, I remember someone offered it to me when I was in the comic shop. I'm like, "No, nah, I'm good. And then came back to it later and bought it. But, um, yeah, I remember that I got to that point and was like, oh my God, <laughs> what's going to happen now? Because has got away with it, right? Mm. So that's one to me is, especially when you're talking about big series from like 86, 87, you know, one being Dark Knight Returns and the other being, uh, Watchmen. That's to me a really big, you know, shock moment. Right.
0: Yeah, I could see that one, too. Yeah, that would one, that one's almost like shock value, like tangentially to me. Right. Because I think that that the the thing that most motivates that scene is the idea of it's like of we're just flipping uh, 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 the convention. Right. Right. Absolutely. That, you know, like you said, like this, this is the way all superhero stories end. And I'm just going to I'm just going to flip that a little bit. But yeah, but in doing so, like it is it is a it is a shocking thing.
4: Mm hmm yeah yeah good book read watch Yeah, yeah. yes yeah comics
0: comics i think um i mean well well no we can argue about whether or not tv does it more or not more or less now but i feel like comics like really really has had a point where they were like using it as a crutch sure you know i mean just just the ads at the end of every issue were like you know, come back for the shocking. Like everything is good. Like I don't know how many times Marvel has claimed that. You know, everything we know about the Marvel universe will change. Right. You know, it's it. It was almost at the end of every month.
3: Sure,
4: but I mean, I mean, while. I think
3: I, when I think of like you know big shocking stuff, when I think about Marvel, Marvel's you know to me it's like uh, what is an amazing Spider-Man one twenty one and one twenty two,
5: mm-hmm.
3: which Gwen? is yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, if you you know I mean. Again, we're talking, Well, what were those books, like 68 when they came out? You're talking, you know, 50-some-odd years, but I, I defy you to go read that run up to that point and then get to that issue and then have it be that, you know, again, spoiler alert, she dies, you know, and then there's the great debate about, did she was she already dead when Peter got to her or, you know, did he, you know, the, 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 the snap of the webline snapped her neck, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, whether, you know, whether, which, what did it. And then on top of that, for it to go to the next issue. And then not only did Gwen die in the last issue Peter's, you know, enraged and trying to stop the green goblin, the green goblin dies in the next one.
0: Right.
3: You know, to me, that one is like, you know, again, you could argue that, you know, I mean, you would argue about, but whether or not it was, it was done for shock value, where they just were like, yeah, hey, we got to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. But I mean, a lot of people point to that moment and, and it's hit in, it's in the, in Marvel's, the miniseries by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, it's almost a point of like when Gwen dies, it's almost kind of like the Marvel universe loses its, its innocence in a way.
4: Okay. You know,
3: that's how it's, that's how it's often spoken of now long, long after the fact. Hmm.
4: Yeah. I
0: just think also that like, um, I, I mean, stunts, stunts kind of mm-hmm. circling the idea of shock value all the time. Right. right? We're like every time a Marvel stunt or, or not even Marvel, really, I shouldn't say just Marvel. Like, Anytime any comic book stunt is out there, right? Sure. It, it's 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 a time when when comic fans kind of peek to know, like, okay, something big is going to happen here,
4: mm-hmm. like
0: something that is going, something that that we're going to, you know, they're going to try and, and 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 throw something unbelievable at us here
4: mm-hmm.
0: at some point in this, right? Sure.
3: Well, we went. we Were we? Was it the the three of us? Clifton and and Zach and I. Were, didn't we all go to the panel when they talked about Superman seventy five? That Superman panel where it was you know a bunch of Superman creators, people that worked on Superman. Were we all in that panel together? At the New York Comic Con? No, this one we were in San Diego. We okay. went for the. I think it was the second year we were all there together. Okay. Where it was the panel and they got to talking. It was Louise Simonson and Mike Carlin and Bruce Tim and. um it was in the same room that we were in there early because obviously if you don't get to a panel early in San Diego, you might not get in. Um, it was one of those things where, like, I think uh, Gillian Anderson was in the panel before, and then they brought in the Superman group, and I think George Perez might have been there too. But they basically talk about the idea of like, you know, let's you know, what's something we've never done with Superman before? And they're like, I know, let's kill him, right, right? And they, yeah. that's where they start to hatch the idea of Doomsday, in, right. in you know, in those meetings, and then they they start to whiteboard it, you know. About what what's going to happen in adventures, what's going to happen in action, what's going to happen in Superman, what's going to happen in Tangent and like Justice League and other books. And then, you know, 75 is the big knockdown drag out battle in Metropolis where Superman dies. Right. I mean, that's one of those shock values where I remember, I don't think I was working in the comic shop, but I remember going in and, you know, people, you know, it was the, one of those definite moments of people who didn't normally read comics coming in the comic shop being like, I have to buy Superman 75 because Superman's dead.
0: Right. OK, right. so let me let me ask you this one, because this is an interesting one for me, because um, this was a th- this was an thing that was announced before it happened, though. Also, right. Like, right. True. Like, oh, yeah. Like it was in the news. I remember like p- people very much knew DC was doing a story where they were going to kill off Superman. And then the book came out where it happened. This wasn't an, ins- an instance where you know, you just picked up an issue of Superman and then like, what, what happened? Like, like
3: doomsday kills him, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah. It was definitely like tipped their. you know, they definitely, you know, flipped over their cards before it got there. Mm. But, but I think it's one of those, you know, not that there haven't been moments or stunts or where big things happened, but you know, you have that that's mm-hmm. one around the same time is, uh, getting back to, to Jason Todd. Right. Mm. <laughs> I mean, a 1-800 number to decide if Robin's going to die or not is a pretty big deal. Yeah. You know, again, it's pretty shocking to think that, (laughs) you know, if you could just get your buddies together and dial the phone enough times, you could decide whether or not, you know, (laughs) the second Robin lives or dies.
2: And then your parents ask you what all those (laughs) 1-900 numbers are about (laughs) on the phone bill.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and you got to explain that one. (laughs) Hopefully, you know, hopefully your grandma's not over at the time. And then you got to explain what a 1-900 number is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's to me, Superman 35, as much as I appreciate the fact that they put time and they wanted to make this this moment, but, you know, obviously it, it leads to, you know, the, the reign of the Superman and all that stuff. But it's one of those where I think that's definitely a point where from that point on, you know, the bigger the event, the bigger the stunt, because we get, like I said, you know, we also have Jason Todd and that also leads to uh, Nightfall. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, I, and I don't want to just keep listing them because I want to talk about them individually, but
0: No, I hear. So I'm just asking you guys also, because like my love for Superman didn't wasn't around then, you know, like like the animated series was two years off at that point. Mm -hmm. That's when I fell in love with Superman was watching was watching that show. So was there like a finality to it that was different from any other death in comics at that point? Or was it still just kind of like the old comic trope of like, well, he's going to come back. I mean, was, was there like, like a a sense of unknown connected to that?
3: I mean, in a way there was, I think, I think, you know, it depended on like, for me it was, you know, I mean, I was, you know, I I was not so naive to think that he would never come back, but it was definitely one of the things where I didn't think it would be quite as long as it was. Uh huh. And eventually that's also one of the first times I had an event where I'm like, okay, this is probably going a little too long. Right. (laughs) Anytime you're going to bring it back would be probably a good idea.
0: But I, but I wonder if that if that's if there's not like a bit of genius in that, the fact that that the four reign of the Superman stuff came out after that. Mm-hmm. Also, I wonder if that was meant as a, as it means to be like, see, we're not going to bring them back because we got these characters now. We're going to sure. use them. Right. Yeah, sure. I wonder if, the, if that was intentional and also just playing the joke long enough to, to make you go maybe as a reader go like well, I guess maybe Clark's not coming back.
3: Yeah. I mean, they do a pretty good job with it to basically think, you know, like, well, potentially one of these guys could be the new Superman. Mm. And that's what, you know, going forward, that's what we got. But, you know, it's still, I still think it was one of those things where people didn't, you know, I, I think the, the the public at large didn't know, but I think if you were in a comics for any any length of time, you probably were like, all right, well, this is cool. I mean, granted, that's one of those books I remember where people are like, I'm putting away these books because I want to put my kid through college with them. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And yeah, definitely. No that so yeah. Much. yeah
0: that was the height of the polybagged hologram you know collector's edition variant cover stuff
1: no i was gonna say it's funny that that's the one that you find shocking to me the shocking one wasn't so much that they killed them or even resurrect them because at the end of the day i don't believe anyone thought for a minute that it'd be a final thing the the one that no one saw coming in my opinion is when they split superman into red and blue
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll go even a little bit before that, too. Right. OK. When they turned him into the electric blue Superman, too.
1: Mm hmm. Right. No, that is, Which, but that's sort of what I was speaking of. But that, yeah. that's basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then they split and then they did the Superman red and blue storyline. I don't remember how many years after the fact but they did. That one as sort of a as a weird nod to to a Silver Age Superman red, blue um,
2: story as well. Mm hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, that is what the electric Superman was a reference to, too. It was Morrison referring to the old imaginary right. stories. Wow. Right. He cited it. Right. Yep. In his Justice League run. Oh, OK. Yep. So that, that was his doing? I never knew that. He was on Justice League at the time. I don't know if it was initially his idea or not, but he was the one that, that kind of went with it. Right. Yeah. No, I, that I remember. I remember he was the
3: only one to make it cool. Yeah, he does the most with it cuz there's the the issue of like JLA early on it's like I think it's like 7 or 8 where they fight against the demons 3 that are like these classic uh JLA villains that have been around since like the 60s the three demons. But at one point they're they're trying to make the moon collapse into the orbit of the of the earth and Superman, you know, basically turns using his powers, his new electric powers, turn, wraps chains around the moon cuz that's where the watchtower is and basically creates an electromagnet to repel itself from the earth so you have magic going on in this this battle between magic and science and it's one of the few times the electric powers actually work where yeah. superman does something that's like a superman level yeah you know but, but that um,
0: stuck around for a while too i remember i, I mean that was at least i want to say that was like 4 years i remember
3: it takes a while right yeah it does yeah. take a while to get back but i mean getting back to like nightfall nightfall to me was one of those things where you know it, it it's it's a storyline where again you kind of know something's going to happen to Batman. They introduce—I mean, they go a step further. I mean, granted, not like you don't introduce Bane or uh, there's Doomsday and Superman, but Doomsday is such a, like a force of nature. He's not it doesn't have a personality. Yeah, there's no real there's no real motivation other than to destroy stuff, right? Yeah, you know, it's almost like Superman fighting a hurricane. <laughs> I mean, it right, doesn't right. really it doesn't really translate as much as Bane. Where Bane, they they set up in the one shot. You know, from being Santa Prisca and he's paying for his father's sins and he's, you know, doing that whole hardcore, you know, training in, in prison thing. And he yeah. knows he wants to, he, you know, he gets the idea of he wants to go to Gotham and challenge Batman. Right. So it's almost like, it's kind of like it's Bane's story before it's even Batman's
4: story, really. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, it is a little bit different, but I think also, I, I think the fact that, I mean, that's what, a year out from Death of Superman? Mm hmm. Right. Yeah.
4: I right think, around there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there is it, it's funny because there is it does smell a little unoriginal from that sense, like like we did it with Superman. Let's do it with Batman now. Sure. Um, you know, I say that, but that said, Nightfall is actually the better story. Absolutely. In my opinion. I mean, Nightfall actually as a stunt is actually pretty good. Right. I think. Um, but yeah, but I guess like tying back to what Tommy said, it's not so much that like the moment that is shocking to me. It's It's really more that they did it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's 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 not it's not that that superman dies and then comes back it's just the moment that they they had the balls to sort of like we're going to do this right and at least momentarily make you think that it's final
3: well i mean again but i mean granted they were not killing batman but i remember the ads from the time was you know it was we're sending batman someplace he's never gone before and it was like away. (laughs) <laughs> like that was the thing was like you know batman's another character like superman that has been around since the 30s at that point you know and, and they're t- basically telling you yeah bruce wade's not gonna be batman you know for a while right and we get at you know we get as bats and, and a broken bat you know and all that stuff yeah and really you know i mean i just remember you know there's one point where you have you know you see bruce kind of harried <laughs> from everything that bane has thrown him because you know they destroy Arkham asylum for like i think it's maybe one of the first times they actually do it I mean, I think it might be, in, there might be like an issue, like uh, an anniversary, issue, like 400 or something that would, where all the Arkham villains get out over
4: one yeah, night.
0: That's, that's what my feeling, that's what I was remembering was the initial selling point of the book to me was that something happens where all the criminals in Arkham get loose at the same time. And like Batman has to fight them all. Yeah. Right. I remember that was the big selling point. At mm-hmm. at first, which it was, you know, it was just it was just the numbers game there. Like, how is he going to take on all of them?
3: <laughs> yeah. And he, even you know. he has that moment of like, how am I going to take them all? There's a bit with, you know, there's a great uh, bit with Scarecrow and Joker teaming up, which you don't really get. Norm- I mean, there's a lot of great bits in Nightfall. I, I, I you know, I, I say it's got a lot of shock value in it. But the idea that, you know, again, Bane succeeds in his plan. It's not a, you know, he succeeds in, ba- you know, in breaking the bat and then tossing him. But well, didn't he toss him down like inside of a building or something?
4: Yeah. Yeah. it'
0: like throws him, throws him into like, like Gotham square, like, yeah. like you know, like bloodied and beaten and battered.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then yeah. it's, then for a while it's, you know, it's, you know, Bruce Wayne is, you don't know if he's coming, you know, he's, he's, you know, got a broken back and you don't know if he's coming back. And then you had Asbats you know, Asriel takes over and, you know, and all that stuff. So it's kind of a, you know, as, as shock value, again, is something that they never really expected they were going to do, but they did it and pull it off pretty well. Right.
0: Yeah, so so Nightfall, shock value, sure, but you know, done well, pulls it off, you know, is you know, is a story that that has some legs to it, has some meat to it, and everything. And it is actually like, you know, set up books years down the road, too. You know, like like the mm. fact that that Bruce went to to Azrael instead of instead of Dick Grayson right. set up their tension for like a decade. I want like pretty much. Maybe not quite yeah. that long, but oh but half a decade. It's it, right? Like I remember like you pick up like the Chuck Dixon Nightwing stuff. Like that's really like like the the source of their tension. Right. Is that, you know what I mean? Um Superman, Death of Superman, okay, to, to varying degrees and everything. So what about the other big nineties one, the the Wolverine Bone Claws? Oh yeah. Right? That that was another one, right? We're like, okay, Mag Magneto. It was, it was almost a moment to me where, like, they somebody realized that Magneto, that has the control, the power over metal, and Wolverine's made of metal, essentially. Like, sure. oh, wait a minute. Like, There's something we can do with this. He, he, should, he should be able to, like, just whip him around. Yeah. Right. This was this was my moment of leaving X-Men, though. so
3: Right. No, I mean, it was, I mean, I, mean, I remember, was it Fatal Attractions? Is that what it's called? Is that yeah. the storyline? Yeah. And it was, I remember, it was a hologram cover. Right, of course, yeah. but that was the thing was they they made a big deal of the fact that Wolfram was going to lose lose his adamantium, and then it was going to be you know a situation where he didn't have it, and then by the way, oh, he had bone claws, and they had to explain that, and then for a while, Wolverine gets really feral looking, like doesn't have a nose or has a flat nose, yeah, like an like a wolf like an animal does. Yeah, it's just kind of. I mean, it's a it's one of those weird sort of like we gotta again we've had wolfreen around for a while, so we can start to mess with the foundation of the character and give you something different. Yeah, it's weird for me
0: because like I was so young when that happened. Right. And like at the moment, like hearing what they would do now, we're like they essentially took Wolverine out of the X books, right? And focused the X-Men books on other characters. Now that's way up my alley. Now I'm like, they don't do that enough. But then when I was however old, I was 10, like the idea of like reading X-Men without Wolverine, I was like, I don't want to do that. Why would I want to do that? But this is it's also an instance of I I feel like I hear this come up online, like often now where people are looking back at that story, remembering it kind of fondly. Sure. And, and you know, I don't know if that's nostalgia. I don't know if there's just something there that I missed, because like I said, like, I you know, that was when I started really spotty reading
4: X-Men at that point.
3: Yeah, I just think it was one of those things where up at that point, you know, it's almost an like you said. It's an obvious moment of like, oh, the master of magnetism could do something with this metal in this in this one character. Why wouldn't we see this have happened before? But yeah, no. I yeah. mean, it, I remember. I remember. You know, I remember the time it was a big deal. People were people were fired up about it. You know, because again, it was you know you didn't have origin at that point, so there was still no real clue as to what what was the deal with 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 Logan or Wolverine. Mm. There was no real explanation, so anything was on the table at that point. So, yeah, I think I think the one for me though that that when I think about the '90s stuff, when I think about storylines where they're like, we're just going to do something to a long-established character, I think what they do with Hal Jordan is really, you know, the one where I go, they really took a radical approach to what they decided for Hal with him turning, you know, well, I mean, granted, it's 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 retrofitted by Jeff Johns later to be par, uh, parallax. Right, but that whole that whole thing of having him basically, you know, the fallout of, of the the death and return of Superman is that Coast City gets destroyed by Mongol, and as a result, you know, Hal decides to to go to the Guardian and say, "Well, I want you to fix it and return everyone to life," and, you know, and they're like, "Well, we we're not going to do that. And I don't think we can do that." And Hal says, "Fine, I'll gather the power and do it myself." Right. You know, and Hal's killing, you know, killing Green Lanterns and taking their rings. And he, you know, he, you know, spoiler alert, he kills Kilowog and he kills Sinestro. And, yeah. and at one point, you know, there's that, that classic cover where he's got, you know, all his fingers and his two thumbs are, are all have <laughs> Green Lantern rings on yeah, them. Yeah, and
0: he's got he's got like like the crazed face. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. So so this was Hal's heel turn. Yes. Back 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 in the nineties and early. Yeah, and then and then so but you were saying, so so he go, he becomes a villain that goes by the name Parallax. Right. Right. And then Retcon years later, when Jeff Johns gets on the on the book and brings Hal Jordan back, that it, Parallax is, is uh is like uh an entity that, that possessed Hal Jordan.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. No, I just I just wanted to clear it up for if anybody was confused listening to that.
3: Yeah, it takes away I mean it came out in ninety four, nineteen ninety four, it was called Emerald Twilight, and it ran from issues forty eight through fifty, right? Mm-hmm. And, and over the course of those three issues is where he finally, you know, has that moment where he, you know, he he loses it um and just goes on this spree of just trying to amass all this power to try and basically bring back all the citizens and all of Coast City. And it's also the the, the first appearance is is of, of Kyle Rayner who ends up being, you know, the torchbearer because there are no, you know, there's no guardians, there's no no other core, it's just Kyle. Right. So, which is great, but it's one of those things where that to me, I remember the time being like, okay, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big, it's a big thing to co- try to come back. But if you ever want to, you know, bring that back from the brink of trying to reset Hal Jordan. Right.
4: Yeah. No, that,
0: that, yeah, that's, that's, uh, the, the hero turning into a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another, that's another one that, that, you know, gets used, uh, a, a fair amount later on. Yeah yeah
3: I mean that was i mean I mean that to me was more i mean like the, the level that Hal goes to the character goes through and that stuff is you know it, when we talk about shock value, I think a lot of that is done you know it is it is to that level to basically you know put a big stamp on to say you know this isn't Superman dying, this isn't Batman turning you know getting getting his back broken and being you know t- turned away this is you know he's going to be a bad guy, he's basically you know he's killed his friends, he's killed his worst enemy. And this is who he is now, (laughs) at least, you know, for the foreseeable future. So,
0: I mean, as a card for writers and editors to use, I mean, is it an effective one that that to you guys like, you know, do you appreciate shock value or is it or does it feel cheap to you guys?
1: I mean, it depends on the meat of the story and how it relates to how, how it works. In some cases, it can be gratuitous in which you don't care to hear it or see it. I mean, given examples of um what they're doing right now, um, with the metal books. Mm. That's nothing but shock value. I right. agree. Okay. But yet there's a strong um fan approach to it in which people love it. Um it's redefining D C universe mm. as we speak, with the mere um inclusion of it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean
0: that's a good one. That's a good example. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that one, yeah. It's basically a shock value parallel universe.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're, I mean they're, they're basically saying that this is the negative universe we never saw in which all these examples were always there, but they're hidden behind the source wall or whatever they want to explain it as. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what you got all these examples of the hero in a way we've never seen it before. I mean, our man was nothing compared to everything that's coming up behind it. Right.
0: Yeah. Frank Clifton, what do you guys think?
3: I'm, you know, I I don't, I don't mind shock value. I like to be surprised with the stuff that I'm reading or watching. I think that's one of those things where it's, you know, I I just think sometimes it, 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 it does wreak a little bit of desperation on the part of the writer Mm. (laughs) because, you know, for example, one that, one that I don't think really works all that well is, um, in ultimate Mm Spider-Man, you know. Bennis was going at a pretty good clip. You know, I mean, granted, it was kind of a running joke, the idea of like, wow, Peter Parker and the Ultimate Universe has dealt with, you know, so much more than 16-year-old Peter Parker ever went through before it was all said and done because they, they were just constantly, you know, warping to all the touchstones in Peter Parker's life from, from the original 616 to I think the point where they kill off Gwen in those books. Yeah because he, he had done a great such a great job about making her an interesting character and kind of her own thing and kind of a, you know they made Mary Jane sort of the brainy character and then she was sort of like the bad girl and there was a nice balance between the you know the two of why Peter might want to go one, with one of them or try to be with one of them instead of the other and then i think it's during the carnage when they first introduced carnage i think yeah. or is it venom i can't remember for sure no it's carnage his carnage. Yeah. And they just, and they kill her off and it doesn't really, I guess it's meant to be shocking or it's meant to be, you know, a moment that you go, Whoa. But instead I think it just was like, I really liked Gwen you know? and it's not even a, it's an idea of, you know, you kill off a character I liked. It's kind of like, Oh, why did you kill off a character I like? Yeah.
0: No, that's an interesting example. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that one, but I remember, yeah. When, when, when she gets killed off in ultimate, I remember I kept saying to like people at the store and everything. I mean, I feel like that that character had other stories left. Oh yeah,
3: absolutely. You I know? did too. And
0: and it is the thing with Gwen, right? Like ever since ever ever since you know what is it, Spider Man one twenty one? You said what, yeah, one twenty. I believe so.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: anytime you use that character outside in any sort of adaptation, which Ultimate felt like that for a little while, that we're adapting Spider Man in a different way, right? We're right. sort of updating it. Anytime you introduce Gwen, it's like the clock is ticking. Sure. Right, everybody's thinking like is this issue the one where she's going to die? Is this the one going to be the one that she dies? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, death death and and heroes turning villainous or tend to be I think the ones that that comics fall back on a little bit. And 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 I don't I don't say that, uh, you know, casting any dispersions or negative negativity to any either one. There are moments where I like those stories a lot. It's just, yeah, I'm with you guys. That like, it's it it it's um, it's got to feel natural,
1: in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. I will say this before you go into your um, complete statement. I'm sorry for interrupting, mm-hmm. but to me, from the the examples that you give and me having and me thinking about it, it's almost as soon as you introduce. Extra dimensional stuff, there's going to be a shock. Like, mm. Frank, remember Invincible? When we get the uh, other dimensional Invincibles? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where you get, again, what you said earlier, Zach, with the evil versions of a character and how mm. evil can you make those versions of that character? Yeah. It's, it's almost as soon as you introduce extra dimensional stuff, there is going to be a huge shock of either a dead character who's not dead anymore. Or version of the hero, or excuse me, the version of a villain that resembles the hero. As soon as you introduce extra dimensional stuff,
3: mm. I thought you were talking Tommy about the the reveal of Angstrom Levy
1: in Invincible. Oh, when he comes, yeah, that was a sock too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we could, you know, I, uh, Zach, are you planning to ever read Invincible? Are you going to read it at some point? Yeah, I mean, I I've I've read.
0: A fair amount of it, and I enjoy it. I would like to finish it up, but you know, okay, by
3: yeah, all this means, is... go on. <laughs> oh no, there's just a point where he's 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 you know he's he's dealing with all this this stuff with uh with the with the character basically you know it's all around the time of the inter- interdimensional um invincibles, and he go he finally catches up with Angstrom Levy, who's been a pain you know to him for a while, and basically they get into a physical con- confrontation, and you find out that while he may be like incredibly intelligent and almost like like the leader basically from Marvel level intelligence, he's not like super strong or invulnerable. So when, while Invincible's beating the crap out of him, you find out he's, you know, he's basically
1: almost about killed him. Right, Tommy? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's, he's a regular person. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't have a gamma radi- <laughs> radiated skin like the leader. <laughs> no.
3: Yeah. And so he basically starts to pummel him and basically he's like, Oh my God, stop. You're killing me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a moment of like, Oh, never really. It's a nice bit. Cause you never really considered that. So.
1: Um, Especially what he pulls off and the anger that it incites within our hero, yeah, absolutely,
3: yeah, yeah. invincible has got some good some good I mean, I'd say Kirkman in general's got some really good i mean granted, if you've ever read the Walking Dead,
4: oh yeah, uh,
3: <laughs> Kirkman's got some amazingly shocking moments in that one. I mean, if you've ever done up with the governor or um spoiler if you've ever read The Walking Dead yet, I'm about to spoil some of that stuff um. Because it, it very, it's not the same as the show. So, for example, like Laurie and Judith don't make it out of the prison in Walking Dead. Right. Like they don't survive. They don't survive. I mean, Laurie doesn't survive in the show, but in the in the comic book, they have, they have a really horrible death. when they when the the governor comes back to call on, on on our you know group, you know, and a lot of those deaths are shocking. And it's one of the things where I, I when I think about Kirkman, I, I I think about like that those moments. I think he does it better in Invincible. I think Invincible overall is a better book. You can come, you know, come at me all you want. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think, for example, like Walking Dead, when it got to the end of the series, Kirkman said that he didn't, he wanted the the end of the book to almost be like the, like a death of a character. Like he wanted to surprise you the fact that, yep, that's it. That's all there is. And I just think it fell flat. I didn't really think it worked. Um, you know, you have a very big moment in the death of a character. I won't ruin that for you. Even got that far in the book, some people might not have. But it's one of those things where there was still a lot of story I think left to tell and it sort of takes a time jump at the end. So, you know, do with that what you will but I, I right. think that's one of the few instances where he just didn't, you know, didn't quite land it properly. And he's usually really good. I know like I know I've I've seen him in interviews and I, I've watched him and stuff and he's basically said, you know, kind of like Mark Wade does, he's one of those writers that's like, let's just do this and then I'll figure out how it works. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if I could ever work that way, but I know like Mark Wade has often said, like, well, he's writing Daredevil. He's like, yeah, I would write myself Daredevil. I write Matt Murdock and Daredevil into a corner. And then the next month I'm sweating how I'm going to get him out of it.
0: Yeah. No, I, so. I love that about him. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it sounds positively terrifying
3: yeah. <laughs> to, to, yeah, me, to, to
0: write without a net like that. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the funny thing with it in comics is, is though, I mean these these are 80-year-old characters in some cases, right, in constant publication, right, right. generally going to get passed on to somebody else once I'm done with it, so I think the shock value, like, like almost by by necessity, has to get kind of bigger and has to kind of come out of, out of nowhere a little bit more, right, because we've seen so many stories. Sure. You know, there's there's so many Batman stories, so many Spider-Man stories, there's so many Hulk stories there, so we have to kind of, I, I think, I think in the name of trying to do something new and something entertaining, we have to get bigger and we have to kind of, kind of come more and more from left field from things.
3: Well, again, again, getting back to comics, thinking about, you know, some of the bigger like shock, you know, shock value moments in comics to me. One that's really big that, uh, you know, that doesn't really get talked about much now, but like in the early nineties, getting back to uh, obviously getting back strange enough to Kyle Rayner was, um, it's in, yeah, volume. It's volume three, number fifty-four. And again, it comes out in ninety nine, nineteen ninety-four. It's um, it's the it's the issue where that where Major Force has been fighting with Green Lantern, and I guess he figures out who he is, and he kills. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not and, it, so yeah, and he kills. Uh, he kills Alex. You know, the the, the Kyle Rayner's girlfriend, and and dismembers her and puts her in the fridge.
4: Yeah.
3: You know yeah. that is, at the time and right after was a pretty, it's a huge thing because you know I mean like Gail Simone and some other women in fandom were like you know why is it this trope of, you know in order to advance the plot for the for the male character, you know the the, the female characters have to be murdered or you know or or raped or something awful and again like yeah. that's one of those things where that's where that the term of, of fridging somebody or putting a woman in a refrigerator comes from is that that story that one issue in particular where, you know she is murdered by a major force so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it is definitely like a an infamous, notorious moment in comics. With that, you know, Gail Simone, hundred percent has a, has a point.
3: Oh yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, Electra. I mean, I love I love the the Frank Miller Daredevil stuff, but Electra, you know, completely is that as well.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fortunately. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's well. I mean, the other one that's more recent that still is is pretty controversial, and there's a lot, I mean, it's it's definitely divisive in fandom. Is identity crisis. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I've told this story before in, in, in another podcast. Where I remember leading up to Identity Crisis, I'd seen Brad Meltzer at a show, and, and you know, and I and asked him if he was working on anything in comics, and he did that, you know, that thing of looking left and looking to the right to make sure that nobody else was listening. He's like, "Yeah, I'm working on this Justice League book, and I think you're going to love it." Right. And I was like, "Okay, cool. I like the Justice League. I like all the stuff that you've written." And what he was talking about was Identity Crisis, and you know, I remember there's a lot of controversy at DC about it. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of you know the whole thing with dr light and and his you know his assault and rape of of sue Dibney, this character this beloved character that had been around since you know the silver age and the fact that you know that people you know have this you know fondness and love for elongated man and sue Dibney in the first place that that this happened to her while on the jla satellite you know some people were just like emphatically like no there's no way this could happen it's wrong it should be you know it should be taken out of comics it should be taken out of you know you know, and it's one of those things where, and then some people were trying to say they sensationalized that that happening in the first place, and it's just one of the things where I mean, even now, if people bring that that up, I was, you know, one of the one of the the groups I belong to was talking about it, and the, it was it was you know, pages and pages of people debating the merits of whether or not it should even happen. Right.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, it's an infamous book to this day. Yeah. I mean, it's still controversial for sure.
3: Yeah. For for
0: for those moments. Yeah. Hundred percent. All right, so to, to to start wrapping up, though, uh, do we have an instance of shock value that we would
3: like to reverse uh, if we were given the opportunity? <laughs> I have one. Okay, so again, along those lines of you know we're talking about '90s books and you know they're trying to do you know we didn't get to it actually in the podcast, but um, there's a moment during um, was it uh, J. Michael Straczynski when he was writing Amazing Spider-Man? There's a point where. Uh, <laughs> There's an issue in which it's basically spelled out. It's not even implied. It's basically spelled out that Norman Osborn and Gwen Stacy had a sexual relationship and produced children. Right. And, yeah. and I it's one of those, this. it's, it's disgusting. It's not, it's not plausible. It's just one of those things of, I don't know how it happened. Why anyone would allow, like why an editorial would be like, yeah, that's something we should do. Yeah. You know, you know, it's bad enough that he, you know, he again you know, murders or, you know, I, I right. go with that. As I go with that as opposed to Peter, you know, broke her neck with the spider line with yeah. the webbing, you know, and that one was one I would like as a shock value moment. I was like, it's, just, it's terrible. I would just roll that back and be like, no, that never happened.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's the one that like, also that like, it's, I mean, in doing so what that does is makes every issue of amazing Spider-Man going backwards. It's like, Oh, that in, but like in, in between panels, like Gwen is having an affair with Norman Osborn that we're not seeing. right.
4: And it's <laughs> awful. <laughs> you know, it's what so I mean? bad. She's going from yeah. this
0: party, hanging out with Peter, and then she's going to go to Norman's house.
4: Yeah, no, that's Nor- yeah. It's no. it's a bizarre,
0: no. bizarre, yeah, <laughs> decision.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Good, Tommy Clifton. There's a lot of weird ones right around that time in comics because mm-hmm. that led right into One More Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, Straczynski or Spider-Man makes a deal with the Marvel version of the devil, Mephisto, yes. to save his utterly aunt's life at the expense of his marriage
4: mm-hmm.
2: and his whole relationship. But also you also had uh, Bendis' uh, Avengers disassembled oh, yeah. at the same time, with en- which ends with uh, distraught Scarlet Witch declaring no more mutants and wiping out somehow all of the mutant population except for 198 people, which never made much sense to me at the time of the story, because she is a mutant. Right. <laughs> and right. I mean, I guess that was supposed to be the point, but it still felt, felt weird. And then it just felt like they had come up with an idea where they wanted to limit, like they wanted to, the mutants to be like a small thing, especially after Morrison had been expanding with, you know, whole countries of mutants. Yeah. And I think they were trying to put that back in a bottle and, yeah. and came up with like the most clunky, awkward way to do it yeah that's what I would rescind,
0: okay, yeah, I'm with you on that one too, yeah that, that one screamed that, yeah Morrison had revealed basically that at some point like like in a few years in the future, the mutants were going to be the majority of the population yes. on on planet Earth, and I, and it just felt so many like writers being like, well, what what are we supposed to do with that then <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, yeah, and and did it this way, yeah,
4: yeah, no, good pick, good pick Clifton.
1: Tommy, what do you got? Oh, for me it'd be um walking Dead, I think issue fifty. Okay. Um, I don't care what story it is. It was my Port of Harbor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't care for infanticide. It's just yeah. it's unnecessary. Um, it's already a terrible world as is. You don't gotta up the the ante by letting things like that occur, let alone visualizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It I mean it's it's a very small scene in which it occurs or one panel, but still it was enough for me not to uh I mean I could take Scarlet Witch doing craziness, you know, whatever, what have you. Um I can I can see Superman die, change, whatever. Uh I'll even no, I would not even stomach the refrigerator thing. That's terrible. <laughs> no, matter, no matter what you say. But I just I just thought it was unnecessary. Um, it was a terrible world and you didn't have to make it that much more vivid.
0: Okay, I am going to go with a movie, but a movie about a superhero. I'm going to pick the ending of Man of Steel. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Superman snapping Zod's neck. I cannot stand this scene. I have had hours of (laughs) arguments with people about this. (laughs) About this. I'm I'm sure I haven't had the last argument about this, but yeah, no, I um. I I, I, th- I think it is a gross, gross um, misunderstanding of the character to put Absolutely. him in a, in, in a situation like, you know, life and death situation. He's supposed to make the hard choice. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm like, well, he's only there because you wrote that situation for him. Right. And it not even wrote it. Well, I can I could think of a hundred different outs for him in that situation, in that world that don't result in him having to to kill him.
4: <laughs> but, right
0: yeah no on top of the fact that uh, i and i also go go to to you know uh Su- superman doesn't need to be edgy he doesn't there's <laughs> there's a hundred of other edgy comic book characters out there and everything so i mean like you, you you guys can get a flavor of that with so many other places you don't have to make superman follow suit with that so right uh, i can yeah i can do a whole episode on that on, on just that ending. But yeah, but that's, that's my pick. So it's a good pick. Thank you. So, so that's shock value. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts on shock value in the comments. So tell us what you think. You can find links and examples of what we talk about on let me know how it is.com. Don't forget, we take topic suggestions. If you have something you'd like us to discuss, tell us in the comments. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. It will help the channel to grow. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash let me know how it is. And follow us on Twitter at our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. Thanks for listening. And we will see you in a week.